everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Welcome to the show. It is our uh, week of So Many Scares. Is it four? That's right. That's right. It's the fourth week of So Many Scares. Mm -hmm. We're all very scared now. We've had like nice family-friendly stars. And we had some scares that you saw along the way. But this week, we're talking about the crazies, which was David's pick. I think, I feel like this is more of a lesser known movie. I don't remember it being a big thing. Yeah. Anything like that. It doesn't have any massive stars. It has a few people who have grown more famous since then. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it kind of flew under the radar. So I'm curious, why, David, did you pick The Crazies? I mean, most... I have an obvious reason, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the most obvious reason being that it stars Timothy Oliphant. And I uh, I absolutely love Timothy Oliphant and everything he's ever been in, with the exception of a Santa Clarita Diet, which he's not bad in. And it's not a bad show. I just, I just couldn't handle it. I just it's the blood? It. It's all that blood. Because I, I loved that show, and I was I, so sad when it got canceled. I know a lot of people did love that show. It was a fun show. So was that funny. a Netflix thing? It was a two-season Netflix show. Yep. But Something. it's just too much blood for me. I couldn't handle it. But he's But he's great in everything. So, one, that's one of the reasons. But two, and so, because I'm a big fan of his, going all the way back to Scream 2, he is someone who's just, everything he's done has always stood out. In his, where it comes out. And uh, so The Crazies was this movie that I saw on FX before I had really, like, my fandom for him had started. And I only saw it in bits and pieces. It was on FX or something. And I saw, like, I came in the middle. So I didn't know a lot of the details about it. But since then, it's just always just kind of been, and I knew it didn't, I knew it didn't necessarily perform all that well. It wasn't like it didn't become this whole, but it was one of those things where I was like, I had, I used to go to this website called spill.com, right? And I listened to a review they did of it, and they always talked about how it was kind of like a zombie movie that really tries to not be a zombie movie. And I was like, that seems like it'd be an interesting one for us to try to dissect for a horror film. We've done zombie movies in the past. We just did World War Z, which was this supposed to be this giant epic scale level zombie movie. Let's do something. I was like, let's do something that's a zombie movie that is not epic in scale, that is like the most small scale you can go, which is tiny town and whatever it is, Iowa, you know? And so I want to give that a try. I wanted to give, I wanted us to get in something that was kind of zombie-ish for the season because we'd handled witches, we'd handled, you know, serial killers, we'd handled demon curses. Might as well get a zombie flick in or infection movie, whatever you want to call this. So yeah, that's why I picked it was something a little different, something a little out there and and some just stars uh, somebody who I'm a big fan of. Okay. Okay. Fair. These are good reasons, I think. Fair enough. I could never decide if I had seen it or not before. So I'm going to go with I didn't. And I'm pretty sure you didn't either, right, Garrett? So this was our first time. Well, what did you think about it? You like zombie movies. Zombie movies are good. Yeah, I appreciated this pick, David. I liked it. I walked away enjoying this movie. I think that they started it really well and it got my intrigue with the guy coming out on the baseball field in the middle of the game. With a gun, it built this tension because nobody knows what's going on. You have no idea what's happening. And this is so out of character, seemingly, for everything in this town. This is a very small town. And I think mm. if you're going to have a horror movie like this, a small town where everybody knows one another and is familiar with one another, adds to that. I liked the little spin on the zombie take, where it was not necessarily they turn into zombies, but they turn into these unabashed killers for no reason. I'm sure what's happening, but like vicious killers. And then I think the movie kind of turned into an escape movie and pivoted away 
from some of the horror elements. And I think that was an overall mistake for the movie because I really thought it sung whenever it was building that tension and really giving you those moments of what are these people going to do? And then you kind of, there were no more people and it was just, how do we get out of this and how do we and save this? And I think that mm-hmm. second half of the movie kind of took away from some of the front and took away some of the scary, but overall I thought it was a really good pick. Yeah, I thought it had really good tension, especially in the first half or so. It got a lot of horror elements right. And then I would agree with Garrett that it kind of shifts gears into more of a action style movie. And they kind of lowered the scares a little bit, which wasn't a bad thing. I just kind of wish they had kept with the scariness of it because it had worked so well in the beginning. That scene where... She goes into the, like the tractor barn and it's, I don't know what farm equipment is. So the thing with the, you know, the hay bale thing. Yeah. yeah. For the yeah. video viewers, they'll know what I'm doing. They'll get it. That was legitimately scary to me because she's standing right in front of this freaking tall motorized rink. Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to get run over. And it looked yeah. like a really horrible way to go. So yes. why are you standing in front of it? And then, you know, it just ratchets it up from there when. There's nobody in the driver's seat. Yeah. I love I mean, that stuff. Yeah. So the scares were great. Timothy Oliphant was great. I'm the more I like him. The more mm-hmm. I see of him, the more I understand your man crush for him. He is both funny and charming and handsome all into one. Yeah. Uh-oh. He's a good lead in this. I don't know why he plays cops all the time, but I don't either. Because he's he doesn't give a I don't know. Never your regular cop, though. He's always He's like not, a small, yeah, edgy cop. Yeah, like, yeah. he doesn't necessarily have to follow the same rules as a regular cop in the stuff I've he, seen. He plays conflicted cop really well. That's yeah, he does. Kind of like, in a lot of the things he does, he's always like cop who's put in a situation he doesn't really want to be in. Or he's like, maybe he's like, in Deadwood, he's like, he's like forced to be cop because he doesn't, he's, he used to be, he used to be one. But he's moved on because he wants to move on with his life and do something different. But because the town is so lawless, they like push it on him. Like, hey, he used to be a cop, so we're just going to push it on you. And he like, he burns him up. And he can't, at the end of the day, he can't, he can't not do it. But yeah, he plays conflicted police officer, sheriff, marshal, whatever it is, pretty well. He does. Now, there is an aspect of this movie I got to make fun of a little bit. Because oh, it, li- it was a little over the top. Go ahead. I know that the, I've never seen the original version of this movie that this is a remake of, but I understand that it had a lot of political messaging in it. Mm. And this one really hits you with the, don't take away my small town. The government's take it, trying to take us out. They'll never let us have our town, our town. They really care about that town a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And the government was going to. They're not even, they don't even care that they haven't been infected. They're just going to kill us all. Yeah, yeah, that was one piece of the little ham fisted. Yeah. yeah, that was one piece of the movie where it was like kind of a little weak as far as like the explanation. Like the plane, there was so the plane that had this disease type thing that they were working on, this chemical, mm-hmm. fell into this river in the small mm-hmm. town. And that's essentially what's infecting everything, right? And then they, con- at some point in time, they confront the government agent. And he's like, what do you want me to say, man? We lost a plane. Yeah. What? That was the <laughs> worst line in the whole movie. 
And then he yeah. gets punched in the face, which was a valid response because that was the, the messaging, I think from 70, was headed here from 73 to 2010, I think will always be the government is too big and incompetent to, you know, so like this just like pencil pushers, just like, I'm just, you know, I do get it to an extent I get it for him. He's just like, I'm just some dude who they sent down here, man. Like uh, they, he's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. We already lost the plane. Like they'll put the plane back in the sky. I, you know, we didn't crash it here on purpose, but yeah, I think, uh, I think to kind of go off with you guys, because I think, I assume you guys are thinking like, David loves this movie. This is like everything. And well, no, that's not well, it. Nearly. I did really like the movie, but I'm not going to pretend that it is without flaw because there is an element of, I think it's best moments are when it's dealing with, you know, the titular crazies. And I think that is a really, um, to, to quote Timothy Oliphant, that is a really cool title. That was like half the reason he accepted the movie because he literally liked the title. It's a cool thing for them to refer to these infected people as, you know, like that's what they become. They don't necessarily die and then reanimate. They just slowly subdue into like a homicidal rage and then they can't control their inhibitions for the most part. You know, Judy, the wife character, has the worst peripheral vision of any character in cinema where not once, but two times, this woman stand, goes and walks across the room and then stands there and there's somebody behind her that she could have seen. But I, I think that some places where this movie sort of slipped up where they did a great job with bringing two characters back. So there's a scene where uh, she goes into her baby's room and then there's a woman standing in the corner. Well, the woman's not just anybody. It's the wife and the son of the guy that Timothy Oliphant kills in the beginning of the movie with the gun on the baseball field. And that's really smart to bring because it's a small town where everybody knows each other, like you said, you're not having to fight and kill random nobodies that you never met before. These are people that you've known all your life and have history with and real emotional history. I think there was a wasted opportunity to do something with the mayor who was like, nah, I ain't shutting off the water. Like they never, that guy never came back around in a way to get hilariously murdered by his own, his own decisions. And maybe he was right. By that point, it was too late anyway. But yeah, the the paranoia and the trying to get out, the 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 government being kind of the real bad guy overall, like, you know, they're the ones coming in and just saying this town is it's done and there's not much. We don't have much use for it anyway. Just nuke it, you know, is it an extreme? It's not really even a metaphor. It's an extreme. It's an extreme commentary. But yeah, I think that I think if it took slightly, the movie had taken a little bit longer to get the army involved or maybe that could have given you a little bit more time because what i love about the what i did love about the movie like garrett like you said is that it doesn't waste a ton of time like some movies do. there's a lot of movies that we i talked about this i think off camera with you guys with smile where it just took a long time for it felt like the characters to figure out what was going on where the audience we bought in immediately like we we buy in immediately for some of these types of things and so the movie didn't waste a full hour explaining how this outbreak started like basically from the moment that they the moment after you know the event on the baseball field you, timothy Oliphant, his name was his character david and his deputy they're looking into like what's going on here and uh you know boom somebody you know a pair of guy crushing a parachute boom okay let's go out and look around did you say it's hurt somebody they go, there's a plane that we just found what's in the plane what's in the water and they're figuring it out and by you know, about 36 minutes into the movie, you have a pretty AI, good idea of what's going on as to the characters. And it's underway. Given recent events, the scene of going through a big check, um, 
a big room to be checked out and everybody's getting their head scanned to see if they have elevated temperature levels and then <laughs> sort of getting separated. That's sort of, I mean, we never went, I don't think we went through anything quite like that, but the idea of being told, no, you got to go over to this side. Sorry. That yeah. Feels cool, you know, it's, but, and lastly, just, I want to say that I do really like the guy dragging the, the, the pitchfork. I think that's, Oh pretty, yes. That, that is really an good exceptionally image. creepy scene and great camera work on that cinematography i guess i don't know andrew could comment on that he's our, we don't have our cinematography guy but i just i was gonna say that i think it would have worked better if maybe they leaned more into the idea of losing their town in terms of its people and those people connections like like you said earlier oh my gosh he's a, everyone knows everyone and they're watching them turn into madness instead it seemed like they're it really turned into them being upset about losing physical things, the farm and the literal town. And I just kept thinking, that's not even logical. Like your town is ground zero for a biological weapon. I don't care what, I don't want to live in that town anymore. <laughs> like, and why would you? So it's weird to me. That part was weird. Yeah, I do think that was the moment that they just kind of made the wrong decision as far as like where to focus, because it was, it was that tension that they build. Like, here's this person that we know they're acting funny. You know, and I think. An example of where they could have done better in telling that story is the deputy character. Over time, as they're searching together, David and the deputy, great band name. Yeah. And write that down. He starts, the deputy just starts being a dick, uh, but it's not really explained why. Like he, you kind of gather that he is being infected, but mm. everybody else that you went to, you never saw that same kind of transition. Like they just, weren't feeling well. They didn't slowly become an asshole. They just went yeah, like, crazy. And I a think lot of cases, that story they, was weirdly yeah. told based on how the pandemic thing went. I think it was just kind of, I think it just kind of fell flat and it could have yeah. a tension builder. I think it was, I mean, I think it was sort of changing the rules slightly just for a different dramatic tension because like you said, the first couple characters that we see start to experience it they mostly go like quietly catatonic. Like they just like stare off into the distance. They don't have, they don't seem to be paying attention. And with Russell, played by Joe Anderson, with him, we do see him just become slightly more irritable. Maybe we see him slightly, you know, he's not going full homicidal, but he is becoming slightly more careless in his actions, you know? And then, yeah, he is become more aggressive and more of a jerk. And maybe that's because he knows what's happening to him. I don't know. They, they could have explained, like you said, they could have taken a bit more care in how they're showing that because say with the very first character, or maybe not the first character, with the second character, one that burns his house down with his wife and kid inside, right? That he was, doesn't know that what's happening scary to too. him. That's mm -hmm. a scary, that's a, I mean, uh, them trapped in their closet, oh, yeah, terrified when he's of like, their dad. It's dad, he has a knife. Oh, that's scary. You know, terrifying, and he's like slowly Daddy. trumping up the stairs. And it's yeah. a scary, it, and it's a very, you know, it's a very real situation. They have no idea what's going on. And so the, that character, he doesn't know what's happening to him, and neither did the, the you know, the, medical examiner and neither did uh, some of the other characters that were going through this so maybe because he knows what's going on he's trying to fight it he's trying to think clearly and it's and that's how and it's having a different effect but the movie doesn't waste a lot of time on trying to explain that sort of thing i uh, i i think that yeah i don't know it's a movie that gets i think a lot right and it gets just enough wrong that it's not going to like stand out as like an incredible film or anything like that outside of i don't know outside of you know you just being a really big fan of one of these actors like Daniel Panabaker or something like that. 
I don't know if there's any big Joe Anderson fans out there, but he's been in a <laughs> lot of stuff too. I'm looking at his break, his, his IMDb, he's been in a lot of stuff. I think for me, <laughs> yeah, the most interesting yeah. one was the medical examiner with the pitchfork. I agree. Where he was, or maybe there are two different people. I can't remember, but the yeah, I think the, I think the medical examiner was the guy with like the saw. Yeah. And then the principal, I think, was the one who had the, uh, the pitchfork. Yeah. The sewing of the mouth shut and then David finding it and cutting that stitch open and him saying behind you. I mean, again, those moments where they're trying to scare you with the crazies are really strong. Was- and that is where this movie is really good. And I can see it kind of a thing where, you know, in a different world, the version of this movie is um, the town is just continuing to go crazy. And David is trying, David and the deputy are trying to figure out what is happening. And they, you know, go to various different houses and respond to various different calls or whatever. And like the tension builds, you can build the story from there or whatever, but yeah. And, and then I, at the end, you can find, you can blame it on the government if you want to, as the, they find a <laughs> whatever at the end rather than the middle. But I like the, the crazy uh, was where this movie was the best. Yeah. And, and I like there was the end they're hiding out at the truck stop where they were all supposed to be rescued from. And at the truck stop, you have the uh, three hunters, the hunters who discovered the guy with the parachute, the pilot with the plane, right? And they've gone crazy. And so we do get a tiny piece of information, which is sort of uh, a reference to the 1973 film is that this, this bio weapon is called Trixie. And I'm looking at some of the information from the director here. When it comes to the hunters, they are the crazies that we get to see who have, at this point, been infected for, I guess, the longest. And their physical features are really starting to um, deform. Their eyes are turned like bloodshot red and their faces are kind of like eating out. The veins in their faces are starting to like really bulge out. And they look creepy. They look scary. I mean, I think that we could have, you know, this movie's climax could have ended with a much more crazy heavy finale where you had a lot more characters who were in this more advanced stage of dealing with this virus. They talked about the makeup and they were like, really, they said they were really trying to not make it too zombie. They really wanted it to look like something you could legitimately suffer from. So they looked at a lot of people who had suffered from rabies and tetanus and something called Stevens Johnson syndrome, where these were very real diseases you could have. And they wanted to base it off that as opposed to like rotting flesh and jaws hanging open and things like that, which I think is a really cool and smart way to go with it. I don't know if. I don't know if this movie executes it to the level that I think they wanted to, but I think that they did a pretty good job with the with the character designer, with the creature design here, the makeup in the end. Yeah, the look of the crazies was really cool. They looked but also angry. You know, a lot of times, well, I was going to say a lot of times you don't see angry zombies, but it depends on how look at it but these ones actually felt rabid like you said when they looked into how people respond to rabies and all that stuff i felt like it was pretty apparent that they were just vicious Mm -hmm. angry david have you seen the original at all i have not i'm not seeing the original i know that it's a george romero film and it's considered to be a romero film that didn't really hit on the same way that a lot of his other you know his bigger zombie films and some of his other horror films hit people thought it was a little bit more too much, you know, what's the word that it was the subtext wasn't sub enough and it was a little bit, even it was, you know, so it might've suffered from some, a lot of the same problems, but you know, it, it doesn't help it. I'm looking at the original here and it, it still got a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. So most critics enjoy this 
enjoy the original. And uh, I think it was worth, I think it was worth a second look that, that for a remake. I think that, you know, uh, I haven't, having not seen it, it's really hard to get my, you know, get up the, the courage to watch a movie from the seventies. Uh, <laughs> but you know, aggravate, I, aggravate Andrew and others with that. Comment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Unless it's Star Wars. Wars. I watched it to go off on a tangent on that because we haven't done a lot of like old classic horror movies. And I think that could be fun to, to look into. We do. I watched the house on haunted Hill with Vincent price the other day. Mm. And you know what? To be fair to that movie, as campy as it was, it had twists. It had some drama. It had a very interesting plot. I was very intrigued by it. And, uh, and that was just the last 15, 30 minutes. So I do think that some of those old horror movies could be yeah. fun, especially if you go into it with a mindset of like, how would I have felt of this in 1973? Like, right. would it have been scary? It's silly now, but like, what would my horror be without this kind of horror? And that's where I like to look at it. Well, if you guys will remember the last, the last movie I did last year for so many scares, I think was The Fog from 1980. Uh, yeah. And we were all kind of like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. I think they made a remake of that too in 2005. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I want to, I want to. We talked to you, you talked about some funny stuff a minute ago. So I want to talk about something else. I was watching this movie and I thought to myself, you know, what a, I think we, I think we can all say we're kind of small townish kind of kids, right? I mean, we grew up outside of Tulsa uh, yeah. uh, for the most part, but I think what a town name, Ogden Marsh. That sounds exactly like a town name that you would, wow. uh, we would have grown up around. I know that if I was a kid growing up in Ogden Marsh, I was the kind of neurotic kid that I would be like, why do we have to be Ogden Marsh? Why can't we be Ogden? Or Marsh. Stupid. <laughs> Everywhere else gets one name. We had to have two. Kind of like neurotic seven-year-old I would have been complaining about the town name. <laughs> but the idea of everybody in town being at a baseball. You know what? You know what I want to compare this movie to? Just say it. The movie's way. The, yeah, the movie I'm going to compare it to is way better. I'm just going to say this. This movie is to zombie films as A Quiet Place is to alien movies. I knew yeah. you were going to say a quiet place. Yeah. I knew it. I yeah. felt it in my bones. Baseball fan. That's what it was. Baseball. It was. Well, and it's also kind of a similar small town aspect. You know, they the are not town. in a big city in no. those movies. And, there is, and they actually, you know, in A Quiet Place 2, spoiler alert, they run into someone that they know from, their, from the before times. Right. Like, they know these people. Right. And I was something else I was talking about. I was talking about with my wife. I was like, you know, they never say aliens in A Quiet Place. Never, and it just like, and so like in this movie, they never say zombies. I don't never, think they ever said zombies. They never no. said it once. So, I mean, like, I like that idea of. Well, and you got to think. Not doing let's it. Say, let's, you know, if this could happen, mm -hmm. would we call them zombies? I don't feel that know. we would. It feels too know. fate. It I also, think we'd call them something different. I do think, though, there were a lot of other people that were that wanted to treat the COVID virus like you were going to be a zombie. If you got it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, you know, pandemic movies are different nowadays. It's true. You see them in a different lens. But you also see a lot of things where like, yeah, you're right. Earlier when you said that we haven't gone through quite the extent of being aborted up and rounded through temperature scanners like that. But in some small ways, we have like there's. They still don't want me going to the dentist's office without getting my forehead scanned. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just the same thing. when we go to the pediatrician, got to scan right. the forehead. And I am waiting but for you that see things like, like that where now we're like, oh, that was a good idea yeah. <laughs> at the time in the movie. Like that makes uh, sense now. That makes sense, makes now. sense now. Like in 2010, I would have watched that and been like, why are we going through all that? Nonsense? But yeah, it's uh, there's that. I thought you guys were going to say that the comedy for you 
or the part where you had to laugh was the horror of the car wash, which was, I thought, a pretty funny, kind of like, I was like, this would be kind of scary. But also just to me, I was like, they're in a car wash. Like, it's kind of yeah. like we're having fun. But honestly, when Daniel Hannabaker died, I was, I legitimately went, oh, and then <laughs> the car kept rolling out or whatever. And it immediately blew up. And I went, ah, the car blew up. Yeah. <laughs> well, the it's car's got to blow up. It's it just... was. And then the helicopter flew over and I was like, oh man, that's just bad to worse. No, I think my, <laughs> like, these guys my... have got rotten luck. That's what they've got. My uh, favorite unintentional comedic part, I think. Was when the bone saw is chasing Timothy Oliphant's crotch down the floor away. Yeah. <laughs> it was still tense because that scene was great, but there's, it's like the, went a little too far into funniness when it's like yeah. the saw going after his crotch. Yeah. It was a very, it was a very Indiana Jones esque. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, a moment of, I don't know if you want to call it levity or not, but yeah. <laughs> right. Right. You got to sneak uh, that in. Yeah. This is yeah. definitely one that you, I would see, you know, cause again, I don't remember, I don't know what the recollection of this movie is for most people, but I also feel like this could be another fun one to remake. You know, if you're going to remake a horror movie, I feel like you should remake some of the ones that are like super old, that could be fun to modernize or ones that didn't do well, but have a good story attached to them. And this one has a really good story attached to it. And I know I'm not having seen the original one, but if both of them have kind of been, you know, not quite yeah. I think it would be her one to take a stab at. Pardon. Yeah, the original one, for the most part, is very similar. It actually just begins with the man killing his killing his wife and child at the farmhouse. That's just where it opens. And then it's more or less the same. It's about two guys, David and Clank, and their wife, Judy, and one of their wives, Judy, but they're firefighters instead of sheriff and deputy. And then they have the government gets involved. They're burning bodies, all that stuff. Yeah, there were... Yeah. Well, I didn't got much else to say about this other than I'm glad I picked it, I think, because it was a very, I think it had a very good, I think it had a very good vibe and it, it wasn't overly scary, which is my favorite kind of so many scares movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see that. I think it's, yeah. I'm glad that we watched it too. I don't feel like it. I don't know. It kind of just sits in the middle for me. It's neither amazing nor bad enough to not recommend to somebody. Good. I think most zombie movie fans would enjoy it at least for what it is not which is why it's kind of forgotten mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense i got another reason why it's forgotten in the when it comes to the box office here in a second made no money <laughs> yeah probably not well and you know it, it probably could have benefited from more of an a-list star perhaps you mean Although... people didn't recognize timothy oliphant from his starring role in the new girl or the girl next door no, not from that movie. They didn't. Yeah, well, and you know, for that, though. I kind of fear that Timothy Olyphant mm -hmm. and Daniel Tannenbaker are kind of cursed in a lot of ways, in my opinion, where like he can't, Timothy can't seem to get a movie off the ground. He does great yeah. on television. Oh, yeah. He kills it there. But oh, yeah. I think he's deserving of being a movie star, quite oh, frankly. I think he is too. The thing is, and I love Timothy Olyphant. I've tracked his career. All right. I've watched interviews. All right, I think I could say this man has poor movie choosing. Uh, That's got to be it, huh? He is really bad at it. He auditioned to play Robert. He auditioned to play Tony Stark. Didn't get it. He picked this movie because he thought the title sounded good. And for whatever reason, he picked, he was in that movie. You remember I Am Number Four? You remember that? Yeah, I do uh, remember that. He picked that one for some silly reason, too. I don't know what it is. Man has bad movie picking skills. Uh, Why'd he pick The Girl Next Door? I actually like them. Oh, I think it was. Uh, I don't remember why. It's just a broken clock being, being right once a day. 
I think he was interested. I think he read the script and he was really intrigued by the character they wanted him to play, which is this like really sleazy, like he's a pimp or something, isn't he? He's a porn producer. Like a porn producer guy. And and from what I've read, when I remember like he, people really loved that performance by him. They were like, that's he did, funny. honestly, he did a he's good great. job in that movie. Yeah. That's does, what I associate him with. He, that's the thing is he's great in everything. All right. Yeah. He just picks movies that are like, oh, he, they always end up being like, they always end up being like under-promoted or they're movies that were never going to probably be big. They're mm. movies that are copycat movies, things like that. So I just feel bad. But you know what? <laughs> if this man has gotten into the, he has found his way into the viewpoint of like a Jean Favreau and he's starring in episodes of Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and stuff. Tell you what. He, it's true. He's got Jean a lot Favreau. of cred on television, mm-hmm. but something about that TV to movie bridge, you just can't cross it because... And even when he's in a good, like a big movie, he always ends up like, so he sort of drifts towards the background. Like he's in Amsterdam, right? Yeah. He's in Amsterdam, but he's like, and he's wearing like a lot of makeup from what I could tell. But I bet he's just kind of in the background. He's, uh, he was. <laughs> anyway. I was just going to say, I was looking at his TV filmography real quick, and Garrett's the only other person who's ever seen this show, but he was in The Grinder, and I don't remember him in The, the Grinder. The Grinder. I think, I think if I'm thinking of The Grinder as the show I'm thinking of, the actress who played his wife on Justified something was one of the main characters in The Grinder. Grinders with uh, Rob, oh, Lowe Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. And Rob oh, Lowe is an actor who was who played a lawyer on TV, and so he is convinced that he could be a lawyer in real life. And his brother uh, is a lawyer in real his life. His brother is a lawyer in real life. Never mind. The Grinder's a different show. I and Timothy Oliphant is in, plays an actor who stars in a spinoff called <laughs> The Grinder New Orleans. Yep, I remember <laughs> that. Yep, I okay. Yep, I remember that. He's in The Office as well. He was, was yeah. Danny, I think, who's the, the good-looking guy who's like a salesman who they're yeah. all jealous of. Yeah, he has two roles, all right? He has conflicted lawman, right? And then he has, like, really good-looking dumb guy who's, like, that's, like, everything else he does is, like, he's, like, a really good-looking guy, but he's kind of, like, a... He's kind of, like, a... He has a tendency of being cast as sort of, like, a surfer kind of dude or, like, a chill, like, stoner dude in a lot of things as well. So, like, I don't know. He's always good in everything, but... Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I'm still waiting for him to be... I'm still waiting for him to get that big movie. We'll have to do a Talking Tim spinoff podcast someday. Oh, yeah, there you go. We'll go through all there of Timothy Oliphant's best Watch stuff. everything he's ever done. But that's the craziest. I think we've talked it out. So yeah. let's get into the box office and see how this let's movie was received initially. I know that the original had to become a cult classic over time. Yes. Is that a possibility for this one? Let's, I don't know. Because let's find out. I think, unfortunately, for the crazies, it doesn't live in a time period where... I don't know. I mean, I think it could have if it, they had started playing it on TV like crazy that later that year or something like that, but I don't think they did. So the crazies, and this is, I think, the other reason the crazies didn't perform well. It opened up against two, like against another really big thriller movie that year. The crazies would open the weekend of February 26th, 2010 against Shutter Island, which took the number one spot Whoa. with 22.6 million. Shutter Island starring Leonardo DiCaprio it's was a, a much movie. more popular, much more sort of instantly iconic movie when it came out. The Shutter Island, also a movie that I don't feel like it ended up having the kind of legacy that I think they thought it would, but still very popular at the time. Oh, and actually, I'm just now realizing that Shutter Island was in its second weekend. So it actually was, it was still number one. Went to wow. in the second week. The Crazies would finish number three. And the number two spot was Cop Out, 
starring, I believe, Bruce Willis and Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Morgan. Tracy Morgan. Morgan that's Kevin Smith. Yeah. I, and then him and well, Bruce Willis hate each other because right of that movie. <laughs> well, that's, I don't know if that's true. Uh, that brought in $18.2 million in its opening weekend. The Crazies, like I said, finished number three with $16 million. It didn't really help also that still in its 11th weekend was Avatar, not the last airbender, the first blue alien. <laughs> brought <in laughs> his first blue alien? Yeah. Brought in 13.6 in that weekend. So Avatar is still doing well. Unfortunately. 11 weeks? That's a long time. In 11 weeks. That's in a movie line world. Is. It is. And at number five, in its third weekend, you had Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the Lightning Thief. So the Crazies would go on to finish with $39 million domestically, $15 million overseas for a $54 million worldwide. At $39 million was good enough to finish number 80 in the U.S. box office. So again, it was a, you know, slightly down year for the box office as a whole, but it was a pretty, pretty big year for movies that you, I, the three of us would remember fondly. Toy Story 3, Ugh. Deathly Hallows Part 1, Inception, Ugh. Despicable Me. Out what of a list. Drag, True Grit. Andrew loves that movie a lot. I like True Grit. Too. It's good. <laughs> True Grit's uh, good. He likes the John Wayne one, though. Oh, well, you know, it's a good classic. It was also, yeah, that was also a year of Iron Man 2, Alice in Wonderland, The Twilight Saga, Eclipse, Grown Ups, which is a pretty mm. fun podcast of ours. So many sequels.com. I tell you <laughs> what. Great. I'll tell movie. you what, if I remember correctly, all right, fans, if you're listening, if I remember correctly, there's nothing funnier than the end of the So Many Sequels Grown Ups podcast when you immediately listen to the Grown Ups 2 podcast and the <laughs> difference of opinion, the difference of tone and sentiment between the end of Grown Ups 1 and the beginning of Grown Ups 2. I cannot <laughs> state how funny it was to me listening. It was such a tragedy. It was <laughs> more funny than it. Felt experiencing it. Anyhow, so that's that's the year of 2010. That's the box office for the crazies. Not it didn't do tremendously well, but it did. Be, it did. I think it did make back its budget. It only had a budget of about 20 million dollars. So with 55 million, you know, they probably made back their money, but it wasn't quite good enough to potentially greenlit anything like a sequel, which the movie did not necessarily. It didn't not hint at a sequel, but it definitely left itself open that if they wanted to, they could have done you know, the crazies Cedar Rapids or something like that. They could have, you know, expanded the movie to another level if they wanted to, but I'm kind of glad they didn't. Okay. All right. Well, let's look into what Letterboxd thinks about this movie. You can find all three of us on Letterboxd. You can find Andrew there too. You just won't find him here. <laughs> you can find him on Letterboxd. They may not um, have so while we think about what our guess may be for what the Letterboxd community has rated it, a few lines from reviews here are, this is a good one, four stars. Good evening, friends. I am a whore for Timothy Oliphant and always have been. Thank you for your time. I was David late when I wrote Brock. It was late when I wrote that one. Four stars. I really like the characters in the crazies. Three stars. I will never drink unfiltered water again. One star. This movie is so freaking stupid, dude. <laughs> that was intense. It was harsh. So there you go. There you go. I, a variety I, I, of opinions. I forgot. I wanted to say this, that compared to World War Z, which is a movie we just recently did that was a zombie type movie. I do think this movie did a better job of endearing you to the characters than say something like that. So even though we didn't have like an A-lister like a Brad Pitt, I do think that by the middle point of this movie, I was really concerned for Judy, for David, for whoever it was. I wanted them to get out of this situation. Whereas in some movies like this, I just you just end up rooting for the you end up rooting for the zombies, you know? 
because it's just like the characters just suck and you're just, you know, bored with it. You're them. right. You're right. Sometimes you want a, character, a specific character to get eaten by a zombie, mm-hmm. and that's not really the case this time. So that is an interesting point. All right. What are we guessing? We've all had time to think now. You know, well, Gary, you go first. I'm sorry. 2.7. Um, 2.7. Okay. I'm going to say, I would feel very similarly, but I'm going to say even three. An even three. Okay. You put me in a predicament by creating a gap the size of the Grand Canyon. Do I think it's less than two and a half or 2.7 or more? I'm going to, I guess I'll uppercut David just a little bit and go 3.1 just as a catch-all, just in case. Yeah. Not a bad move. Not a bad move. All right. The winner is, oh, we have a direct hit. I love it when we get a direct hit. The winner this week is going to be David. Because the Crazies has a perfect 3.0 on that I'm kind of happy about that, honestly. I'm really anticipating like a 2.8 or a 2.9, but I was kind of, I was hoping that it was going to be three or higher. Yeah, it's a perfect three. Literally, the weighted average is 3.00. Based wow, on 38,000 ratings. Awesome. awesome. Uh, eight, 18 people have called this one of their top four movies of all time. Well, that's cool, too. Good for Good it. for them. You know? Like, like, this is one of those situations where this is a movie. When you find a movie that, like, didn't make, like, any sort of long-term impact, I think it is kind of nice when you find that it has, like, a little... I don't know. It has, like, a little... Like, there's some love for it somewhere. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, you know, you find a movie and you're like, we haven't heard of this. Let's dig it up. And then, you know, you walk in, you go, oh, I like this. And you find out that everybody hated it immediately. <laughs> like oh, That is the worst. Time. It does suck to like a movie and then come out and find out everyone else hated it. I'm dem- yeah. We've all been on that side of the fence. When it's a new movie, I feel less bad because then I'm like, okay, what was the newness? Okay. Yeah. But when it's like an old movie, when you like, you know, dig up dinner for schmucks and you're like, I never heard about this. And you watch it and you're like, oh, too bad that you look at him and you go, oh, everyone hated this movie tremendously and it almost ruined Steve Carell's career. Okay. <laughs> Fascinating. I need to reanalyze myself. <laughs> that is not a specific uh, example. I'm just coming yeah. up yeah, with that. Yeah, that didn't feel targeted at all. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and kick off our ratings and say I agree spot on with Letterboxd. I think it's a 3.0. That 2.7 is where I sit on it, but I'm a fan <laughs> because it's like right in the middle for me. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie, but I like to round up. So it will be at a three for me too. Yeah. Now I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I'm just going to give it a little bit extra boost there. I'm just going to give it the elephant boost and give it a three and a half. And I liked it enough. I would watch it again. I would even say that I would watch it a second time if I had to. Oh, too. No. Yeah. Maybe not immediately. No. No. But if somebody I'd, turned it on, I wouldn't be like, but no. like next Halloween, sure, maybe I'll yeah, watch it. Yeah, but if someone said, hey, I've never watched this, I go, oh, yeah, well, let's watch it real quick, you know? Okay. Why okay. not? Okay. Well, that's going to make our average pretty dang close to that 3.0, so I'm not even going to calculate that. We have one more week of mm-hmm. so many scares left to go. It is bittersweet because I, I always loved the horror movies, our horror movie month, because we really don't ever touch on them at any other time in the year. I don't think we have. If we did, it'd be rare. So it's nice. Yeah. It's nice. Plus, it gets me in the ho- or holiday season. Holiday so we got season. one more no left. It's the my Santa's pick. 
Yeah, so many Santas are coming next. Well, not next, but soon. <laughs> next week, we're going to do my pick. I'll go ahead and tell y'all it's going to be Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is a horror anthology movie. It's got some dark comedy elements to it. It's got some campiness to it. It's, if I remember right, it's a series of four stories or short films that are interwoven with a common theme and a common character. So Trick or Treat is how we will end So Many Scares 2022. Nice. Cool. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to this time, boys. Yep. All right. Well, find us online on all your favorite social media platforms. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd. And we keep up with posting on most of those. Particularly Instagram and TikTok is probably better. So mm -hmm. go find us there. And you can, of course, subscribe to the show and check out all of our past episodes at so many sequels.com. We've got all of them there. You can even search for a movie and see if we've done it before. So go do that. And you can go to patreon.com slash so many sequels and help support the show there. Throw a little green our way if you have some to spare. We've got a dollar tier and a five dollar tier. Mm -hmm. And that will get you into our Discord where you can talk with us yeah. and some other listeners of the show and friends of ours about movies and sharing memes and stories and all kinds of fun stuff. So we have fun over there. So patreon.com slash so many sequels. We'll see you next week. Happy Halloween.